Hi everyone. Welcome to the Desi Crime Podcast. I'm Ashwarya, your host for this episode. And I'm Aryan. Before we start the case for today, we want all of you to go over to our Patreon and subscribe for amazing exclusive features like merch, awesome extra episodes, early access episodes, video calls with us and more. To help the podcast out and to avail these benefits, go to www.patreon.com/desicrime and select a tier that works best for you. We also want to thank our newest patrons, Jason Joseph, Ira Jain, Nayanth Chandra and Vasundra. Thank you so much for helping run this podcast. The case that we have for you today is of a beautiful young girl only just starting to live her life, only just starting to explore relationships, friendships, academic success, but a girl who failed to see the signs of the disaster that was coming her way. This is the story of a family a happy and loving household broken and destroyed for an unknown cause and a murder that kept mumbai cops on their toes for almost a decade this is the story of a romance gone wrong allegedly this is the story of snehal gaware Before we begin today's much awaited episode and I can hear all our listeners thinking come on Ashwarya just get on with the story who is Snehal we need to know guys hold on for just a second we have some big big news to share with you the desi crime podcast family has grown and it wouldn't have happened without you all we've partnered with lost debate which is a media startup based out of new york lost debate is essentially a non-profit media company that tells the story of people who are misunderstood overlooked or simply threatening to those with privilege and power they're ethically contrarian meaning that their goal is to challenge conventional wisdom not to be different or provocative but to highlight issues underrepresented in traditional media issues like the ones we highlight at the desi crime podcast issues like honor killings police brutality and more and not only have they invested in us they launched the lost debate podcast and youtube show for political nerds who want more nuance from the news and a good faith look at the issues just like me and you <laughs> exactly and the best part is on this show instead of being at each other's throats they focus on bringing a reasoned perspective to the stories of the day conversations between real people not talking heads and the world of american politics is already completely bizarre so for an international listener to better understand what is actually happening here it is a much better alternative to say cnn or fox so go check them out and show them the desi love it is the lost debate new episodes every tuesday and thursday subscribe on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and now on to the show for today The descriptions you give us Ashwarya they paint the picture of happy people loving families budding romances fancy weddings only to strip it all away at the end by mentioning murder a decade long hunt for a killer a destroyed home we relate to these stories and these people but then suddenly everything changes and we're left down in the dumps 
This is a true crime podcast unfortunately so I hope you're down in the dumps about something by the end of the episode in fact if you're not down in the dumps by the end you're a bigger <laughs> true crime fanatic than I am but you're right these people these stories are relatable their lives are so much like ours that when these horrendous heinous things happen to these people we're left asking ourselves could it have been me am i in a situation that can end the same way as it does for the victims in our stories and snehal's story is the quintessential example of such a case all right dhaneshwarya tell us who is snehal gaware so for that let's go to the year 2007 to answer your question who is snehal gaware snehal gaware is us she could be any of us she could be all of us she's the youngest child so she's pampered by everyone in her family including her older sister even though she is now 21 years old and off to college living her life and enjoying her newfound independence for the first time ever to her parents hindura gaware who's a private bank employee and kalpana gaware who's a school teacher snehal had fulfilled every indian parents's dream by deciding to study engineering and she had gotten into a good college too she would have made my mother proud oh, unlike so me who is uh, proud. what are we we are podcasters well, yeah. yeah well sorry mom <laughs> she was studying at the sardar patel college in andheri which was close enough to where her parents lived in mumbai itself for her to visit them on the weekends and go over if mom was cooking her favorite food on a random night but yet far enough for her to have her own life hindu rao and kalpana were kind of just getting used to the fact that now both their daughters were far away and lived very separate lives from their own like all parents do at some stage in their life the couple were getting used to what now seemed like an empty home without any children so snehal's college being close enough was important to snehal's parents because her older sister Sheetal Gaware had gone all the way to Nottingham in the UK to study graphic and web designing. To have one child stay back with them meant a lot. They didn't feel like their lives had completely changed with both their kids being out of reach. Ashwarya, this is something you would empathize with, right? We're both older siblings with younger brothers back in India and it's such a support structure for the family for my mom to still have my younger brother even though he's an absolute douchebag we love him <laughs> to death and he's a support structure to my mom and i think that's the same relationship um, they share in this family yep the situation resonates with i think the both of us we moved across continents in an age where video calling is available on all our phones flying internationally is way more common way cheaper and the internet has made long distance interaction seems mm-hmm. simpler but this is 2007 this wasn't the case whenever snehal could she would go back and live with her parents which her parents loved just like she did in july of 2007 she was in the middle of summer break from college and at the beginning of summer break had decided to go on a trek with a big group of her college friends while she was at this trek snehal ended up badly injuring her ankle which meant that she had to cut her trekking trip short So Snehal needed to fix that ankle to recover and not hurt herself anymore. She came back home to her parents' place in the Ninard Cooperative Society in Dombivili on the 17th of July. 2 days passed to Snehal's coming back. It's now the 19th of July. It's a morning like just any other in Mumbai. The sun is out and it's a weekday so Snehal's parents will soon wake up to leave for work, leaving Snehal all alone at home. At around 7:30 a.m., Hindura Gaware wakes up, gets ready for work, and leaves the house by 9 a.m. 
By 8 a.m., Kalpana Gavari wakes up, makes some breakfast, and she too is out of the house by 11 a.m. The day goes by for everyone kind of slowly. By 4:30 p.m. that evening, Snehal's mother is done with school. The kids have gone back, and now the teachers start leaving too. Snehal's mother gets back home by about 5 p.m., but upon coming back home, she immediately notices a series of very odd details. As she's climbing up the stairs to her apartment, getting ready to knock on the door for Snehal to open, she realizes the main front door of the house was already open. Oof, how irresponsible of Snehal to leave the door open like this, she must have thought in that moment. She walks in and starts calling out for her daughter. But nobody answers. Hmm, that's odd. Where would she go at this time when she knows I'd be coming back? She must have thought in that moment. Snehal wasn't in her room. She wasn't in the washroom. She wasn't on the balcony of their home. Snehal's mother was a little worried, but nothing about the situation is super alarming. And honestly, I, I understand why. You see, Snehal is a college student. She's a grown woman. She has friends. And if my mother was to get incredibly, you know, alarmed every time I wasn't at home when she expected me to be. well she'd be incredibly alarmed very often in fact let me just read to you my mother's last three texts to me <laughs> beta hope all is well please call important please call me when you wake up <laughs> that's the you know so mom thing that's a mom thing the yep. only two things that makes nehal not being home weird just to play devil's advocate are firstly the main door being open and secondly the fact that just two days ago She had hurt her ankle so badly that she had to cut short a trip with her friends. Right. That's exactly what it is. I understand the initial reaction of, "Huh, this is odd, but I'm not too worried. She'd be around here somewhere." But a part of Kalpana is going, "This doesn't make sense." And that's precisely for the reasons you mentioned. So Kalpana pulls out her phone to call Snehal and ask her where she is, maybe even scold her a little for leaving the main door open after Kalpana breathes a sigh of relief that her daughter is all right. But the moment Kalpana switches her phone on, what she sees on it makes her heart sink. There's a text on her phone. It's a text from Snehal, sent an hour and a half ago at exactly 3:28 p.m. that afternoon. But that text is blank. There's no message on it. What? Oh, what's a blank text message? Snehal opened her phone, went to the text window with her mother, and pressed sent without any words. Is Is that even possible? So this may not happen anymore with our phones but I very vividly remember a time when our phones would send someone a blank text. It was like a bud dial but for text all you had to do was press the space bar on your phone once and then press send and an empty bubble would show up on the screen of the person that was receiving the text. Subtle way of bragging that your parents gave you a phone when I was when you were young cuz I remember my mom gave me a phone when I was in grade 12. Oof. Yeah. That's rough. Yep. But that's what Kalpana Gavare saw on her phone and she immediately knew something was wrong. So now Kalpana is panicking. She tries to rationalize the situation to herself because nobody ever assumes what they hear in the news or listen to on this podcast will ever happen to them. Countless parents every day come home to their child not in the house mm-hmm. and most of them figure out that their child was just irresponsible and down with their friends or down at the market. But slowly and slowly it gets harder to ignore the fact that Snehal was gone. She starts by calling Snehal's phone over and over again, but every single time her phone says the same thing. 
संबंध से आप संपर्क करना चाहती है वह अभी स्विच ऑफ है कृपया कुछ समय पश्चात प्रयास करें The number you are calling is currently switched off. Please try later. She then pulls out her contact list and starts calling Snehal's friends. She asks them when they had last spoken to her, if any of them knew where she was. Some of them were still at their hiking trip and hadn't spoken to Snehal since she had left for Mumbai. Her friends from around her colony had no idea where she was. They weren't with her. They hadn't spoken to her. Then Kalpana calls a specific number, a number belonging to a person very, very close to Snehal, probably closer than any of her friends. This number belonged to a 21-year-old boy named Hiren Rathod. Many in Snehal's circle believed that there was something romantic between Snehal and Hiren. Were they dating an inner serious relationship? That the friends didn't know for sure. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't. But there was something more than just a platonic friendship between them. Snehal and Hiren studied at the same college, saw each other on the same campus every day, lived in close proximity, shared friend circles, and that's how their romance began. The two seemed very into each other. But despite being the one person who Snehal's mother hoped would know her whereabouts, Hiren had no idea where she was. He said he hadn't spoken to her in many hours and that she wasn't with him. Kalpana now knows she needs to tell Snehal's father that their daughter is missing. She calls him in a panic, tells him to stop work and rush back home right that instant so that the two could find their daughter. While she's waiting for her husband to return, Kalpana can't sit and do nothing. She runs from the house of one neighbor to another, asking them if any of them had seen Snehal that afternoon. Not just that, she asked if any of them had noticed anything suspicious around the apartment complex. But one after another, the neighbors say exactly what Snehal's friends had said. They knew nothing. They hadn't seen her or noticed anything suspicious, nor had they noticed anyone else come into the apartment. It was almost starting to feel like Snehal had disappeared without a trace, without making as much as a sound. But there was a trace, a clue to where Snehal was. But sometimes the most important clues are so close to us it takes us too long to see them i have always thought about this a lot a perfect crime is very hard to commit in general because it's a perfect crime but a perfect crime is very hard to commit in india it's almost impossible to kill someone or make them disappear without a trace it's a country of billions of people and not have anyone see or hear or notice anything is virtually impossible especially in a city like mumbai where i have lived for a year and i had a crime committed technically against us right our car was stolen mm-hmm. in broad midnight wow. which is not broad daylight but <laughs> there were people who saw that happen we never found the car but just within one building in a, one apartment building people saw that happen because there simply so many people So there has to be a clue has to be a person a witness some sign that Kalpana is failing to see right it's just weird to think that a fully grown woman could disappear from a fully inhabited apartment complex with nobody noticing anything in the middle of the day but like i said aran the clue exists it exists right in front of kalpana's eyes she just wasn't going to be noticing it anytime soon <laughs> It was now 6:30 p.m. It had been 3 hours since Kalpana had received the blank text from her now missing daughter. 
Snehal's parents are now at the police station filing a missing persons report for their daughter with Inspector Sanju John from the Kalyan Crime Department. Inspector John has all the common stereotypical questions we see inspectors ask when women disappear and some of these questions are fair. Did she have a boyfriend? Has she run away in the past? Is it possible she ran away this time? When none of these questions seemed to point to Snehal having run away, the cops knew they needed to start finding her before it was too late. They gathered as many people as they could, including relatives and Snehal's friends, to help in the search efforts. They spent the entire night searching the areas for clues of where she could be. The inspectors obviously started their search with Snehal's last known location, her home. In her home, her room. The moment the cops entered her room with Snehal's parents, something stood out to her parents. Their hearts dropped and Snehal's mother hated the fact that she was seeing what she was seeing. Snehal had braces, braces she would never leave the house without, ever. And laying on the bedside table of her room were exactly those, her braces. But then the cops noticed something else, which suddenly made Snehal's entire room look like a crime scene. On the floor of her room lay a small rectangular piece of glass, a piece of glass belonging to her spectacles, which also she wore all the time. However, despite whatever the cops found, they couldn't find Snehal for the rest of the night. Wow. People from the search group slowly went back home and fell asleep and so did the cops. But Snehal's parents spent that entire night, what would have probably been the worst night of their lives, just hoping this would all magically pass by the morning. The morning comes and the frantic search for Snehal begins all over again. I can just imagine them waking up and just wishing so desperately that this was this was all a nightmare. That they'd walk into Snehal's room and she'd be right there sleeping on her bed. I wonder about those mornings and nights right after a crime or a disappearance. I don't think anything comes close to that than the feeling you're describing, Aran, hoping it was all a dream. I just feel so, so terrible for this family. But there was no time for moping or being sad. Every minute spent being sad was a minute spent not looking for Snehal and could be the difference between finding her alive or dead. So Hindu Rao and Kalpana Gaware get ready. Before leaving the house for the search, Kalpana Gaware decides to take one more look into Snehal's room just to make sure there wasn't something she was missing. She walks in and all of a sudden, something very, very peculiar stands out to her. Something that hadn't stood out the day before. On the bedside table of Snehal's room, she notices a water jar. This water jar wasn't supposed to be there. It was supposed to be in the storage unit of the house because the family never used it. So Kalpana Gaware had decided to keep it in the bed storage unit of Snehal's bed kept in Snehal's room. Now when I say bed storage, let me explain myself to the people who have no idea what I'm talking about. You know how lots of wooden beds have planks on them which when lifted inside reveal a hollow cavity or space for you to store your household items in? Where your mom puts all the winter clothes. Exactly. That's exa- <laughs> Wait, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> yep. Now despite the fact that on this morning there was a lot on Kalpana's mind, she probably couldn't get herself to think straight. She still noticed this oddly placed water jug. She goes over to it, picks it up, looks at it and wonders why Snehal would take it out. 
and then suddenly her heart drops yet again hoping she's thinking all the wrong things hoping the stress of her missing daughter was getting to her head kalpana knows she has to open the bed storage unit and see what's inside she hopes she'll open the storage unit nothing will be out of place she'll put the jug back and she'll go find her daughter alive somewhere and so she does that she opens the bed storage unit of her daughter's bed nah don't do that to me this is one of those burari moments again ashwara where i know something bad is about to happen i i have goosebumps your true crime spidey senses are right aran this water jug was the clue that kalpana had failed to see on day 1 of snehal's disappearance as she opens the bed storage unit her life comes crashing down before her in just the matter of seconds the optimism of finding her daughter alive and well today was crushed by what was in front of her inside the storage unit of the bed was the body of kalpana and hindurao's youngest child the apple of their eye their intelligent and beautiful daughter who had been inside her own room this entire time but she was dead her body had been twisted and turned to fit into the bed and her hands and legs were both tied her mouth was gagged with a piece of cloth it was obvious this was a murder from the get go someone had come into the house and killed snehal brutally unlike so many of our other cases where there is speculation of natural death in this one there was no speculation at all According to the Mumbai Mirror, Anagha Gadkari, one of their neighbors, said, quote, "We all rushed to the Gavare's flat after hearing Kalpana's loud wails. When we reached there, Kalpana was lying on the floor. She had fainted, and even Hindu Rao had started crying very loudly. Kalpana had lost her mental balance. The thought of sleeping right next to her daughter's brutally tied-up dead body for an entire night was too much to bear." both of them just failed to understand why this would happen to them end quote soon the cops are called by the neighbors and the entire house is declared a crime scene the gavares very quickly realize that snehal's gold chain is missing from her neck and so is her cell phone but nothing else from the house is missing there's kalpana's jewelry in her cupboard there's money in the drawer not too hard to find there's decorative objects in the living room of the house but nothing else is out of place so the cops quickly rule out theft as a motive for snehal's murder but there's another reason the cops rule out theft from early on in the investigation there's a specific person who's on the police's radar immediately Aran take a wild guess who that is. Oh, I wonder who could of course it's the boyfriend, right? It's always the husband or the boyfriend. The cops always do this. It's Hiren Rathor, right? It was Hiren Rathor. Now I know it sometimes seems like the police very quickly begin to suspect the partner as a person of interest in a crime, especially the murders or disappearances of women, but I recently read a statistic by the WHO which said that 40% of all homicides of women are committed by their partners. And I'm sure the cops working on this case didn't necessarily know this WHO stat, but from their own experience of working on these cases, I'm sure they realized the importance of interrogating the partner as a suspect. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. But Hiren wasn't the only suspect of the police. Both of Snehal's parents rang alarm bells in the minds of the cops. That's what I was about to say. How can you be looking for your daughter? Yeah. And not 
completely turn your own house upside down yeah yeah i mean the saying is change begins at home well <laughs> i mean a murder investigation should too right yep you should literally th- there should be upheaval in the house every door knob should be twisted turned to look for any trace and there were clues there were clues pointing exactly to the bed box how 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 was this not spotted that's exactly the reason cops began to suspect the parents there was just a lot of small things that made them the people of interest for example the cops didn't understand why the murderer tried so hard to hide sneha's body but then hid it in the storage unit of the bed inside the house if the intention was to hide the body and prevent evidence from being recovered why would the murderer leave the body inside the house where there's a 100% chance that the body will eventually be found and if the murderer didn't care about the body being found why would the murderer care about trying to fit the body into the storage unit at all just leave it out there mm. according to snehal's parents the object inside the bed storage unit had been moved and rearranged to fit the body to a very large degree which just seemed like too much work for someone mm. who knew that the body would eventually be found keeping the body in there only makes sense if snehal's parents killed her and had hoped to get rid of the body later by taking it somewhere else but then also snehal's mother was the one that opened the storage unit and called the cops when she saw the body if the intention was to take it somewhere else why open the storage unit at all and tell the police but there was a big detail too sometime during this investigation the cops found out from a relative that kalpana and hindu rao's eldest daughter sheetal had filed a police complaint against her father just a few years ago for hitting her and her sister snehal hitting her as in disciplining disciplining her quote unquote all right so that worries me obviously right but let's just put it out there for those who do not have brown parents brown parents whoop your ass um i've gotten good beatings from my mom <laughs> um but the difference is dads usually do not hit their kids especially daughters so it, it might be a smoking gun but it might not be you know it's it's it might just be a very indian thing so you're right dads don't hit daughters and daughters don't file police complaints hmm. both of those of your details and in the context of india this is not a super big deal but just added with the other peculiarities it increases the cops's suspicion towards the parents to me the way snehal was found was also really weird i don't know how you notice a misplaced water jug the morning of your daughter's disappearance yeah. in my mind on a day of this kind you forget to wear your shoes before you leave the house you know what i'm saying i imagine the mental toll to be so much that i can't fathom noticing a misplaced jug But like I've said on this podcast multiple times before, how we all react in a situation like this, a situation of so much stress is very different from person to person. If I imagine becoming more lost and haphazard on such a morning, maybe people like Kalpana Gaware simply become more vigilant. Their crime spidey senses go up and they see clues everywhere. So now let's talk about Hiren. Hiren is Snehal's love interest, highly likely also her boyfriend. A few friends claimed that the two had also discussed marriage. So this wasn't a casual fling. There was something serious and deep between the two. The cops later said they also found text messages and call logs to confirm that the two were in fact dating, were very much in love and very serious about their relationship. 
For example, Ketan Jawale and Makran Chaudhary, Snehal's two very close friends from college, told the cops that Snehal was an incredibly popular girl in college and had lots of friends who would visit her at home too. According to them though, her closest friend was Hiren. The moment cops found the body, it was obvious to them that they had to start by tracking the location of Snehal's phone and retrieving her phone records and the records of all the people close to her, most importantly Hiren. Using Snehal's phone's IMEI number, cops do track Snehal's phone, but the phone stays switched off for an entire day after the body was found. Now, for our listeners that don't know, an IMEI number is the International Mobile Equipment Identity Number, which is unique to every mobile phone on this planet and can be used to then track that phone. For our die-hard Desi crime listeners, you would remember IMEI number was integral. And it's sometimes overlooked. We give too much credit to CCTV cameras <laughs> yeah. and all DNA technology. Tracking phones is so normal to us. But in so many cases, the IMEI number comes to the rescue. Not not the SIM card, the IMEI number, because it's unique to every phone. You can't you can't change that. Absolutely, and that's what the cops were going for in this case too. Snehal's phone, they knew, would be their clue. But Snehal's phone stayed off. For a moment there, it felt like the phone might never turn on, as is very common in these cases. Mm. The person simply destroys the phone and the SIM and then you can do nothing about the information that you've lost. But then, the radars pinged. Someone switched the phone back on, on the 21st of July, and its location was Fort, the busy commercial district in Mumbai. Cops tracked the location of the phone, got into their cars and drove straight to Fort. By locating the phone, the cops reached a mobile phone shop. Turns out, whoever had murdered Snehal had taken her phone, destroyed her SIM card and sold the phone to this mobile phone shop. The cops spent hours interrogating the owner, asking him for details on the person that sold the phone. And luckily for the cops, and for this case, the owner remembered the face of the man that had sold the phone. He agreed to help a sketch artist draw a portrait. When the portrait was made, the cops refused to show it to the public, but made a shocking declaration that shook the entire city and the people following the case. They said the sketch looked exactly like Hiren. After this point, the cops continued to claim that the evidence against Hiren was mounting up. He seemed more and more guilty with every new discovery. One of these pieces of evidence was that when Hiren's mobile phone was tracked, it showed that his phone was switched off at the exact time the murder would have taken place. Also, there was no sign of breaking in, meaning Snehal knew whoever came into the house to murder her that day and had let that person in willingly. However, despite these grand proclamations by the cops, they never arrested Hiren. And that makes sense. Everything they had against him was completely circumstantial. For our listeners who don't know, any evidence that's not DNA evidence and is not corroborated by an actual witness who saw the crime or saw something suspicious is circumstantial evidence. And it isn't given too much value because there's a chance and sometimes a very high chance that this kind of evidence was a consequence of pure coincidence. Eventually, this case reached such a plateau that two years after the murder, Hiren left India 
and moved to the US to study at Clemson University in South Carolina. He only returned in April of 2011 when his father passed away. The cops saw his return as an opportunity. It would have been close to impossible to convict him while he was in the US, but now he was back. The cops had their chance. During his visit in India, the cops pressed charges against Hiran and arrested him under Section 302 of the Indian Penal Code, which speaks of the punishment for murder, and Section 201 of the Indian Penal Code, which speaks of the punishment of causing disappearance of evidence. While Hiran was in prison, cops tried tooth and nail to get him to undergo a narco-analysis by getting permission from the Kalyan judge, but the judge simply wouldn't allow it because Hiran's consent was required for the test and Hiran said no. Narcoanalysis, for our listeners who do not know, stands for narcotic analysis, which is essentially a truth serum done only in India. And it involves injecting a drug named sodium pentothal, which induces a hypnotic or sedated state in which the person's imagination is neutralized and they are expected to divulge true information. During the test, questions are asked and responses are recorded. But mind you, there are two things that are integral when it comes to the narco test. Number one, it requires consent. And number two, it's not admissible in the court of law as evidence. It requires consent just like a polygraph test does. And saying no to a narco test or a polygraph test actually makes you seem more guilty in the eyes of the cops. But again, it's none of this is admissible. You can't use the fact that someone said no as evidence against them. So it didn't matter the moment Hiran said no. Eventually, Hiran filed to be released from prison, citing a lack of evidence against him. And released he was. This July would mark the 15th anniversary of Snehal's death and the lives of everyone involved in the story have moved on. Snehal's sister is currently working in Nottingham in the UK as an in-house graphic and web designer while her parents continue to live in Mumbai in an empty house still mourning the death of their youngest child who still hasn't received justice. But most importantly, the main accused, Hiran, has moved on too. So you all, I found his social media handle and I don't know what to make of it. Firstly, we won't tell you his ID or what social media platform it was to protect his privacy. But Aran, let me show you some of the things he's posted. Tell me if this is normal or creepy because sometimes for women, almost everything men do comes off as creepy. So maybe I'm wrong. So Aran, here's the first one. Alright, the first is a post in which there is a picture and it says, I have heard that any kind of acidic substance can prevent pregnancy. Can I pour some drops of lemon or orange juice in my girlfriend's vagina after the intercourse? Will it harm her? Are you a Bhelpuri vendor? Where did you get that weird idea from? There are many other safe and easy methods of birth control. <laughs> you can consider using a condom. And to that, Hiran has responded saying, Awesome answer. There is another one. Read this. The next one is, again, him posting a picture which says, October 13th, no bra day. And Hiran has responded to that saying, I hope everyone follows this today. There is another one. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. Okay, um, this one says... 
पेड़ों से भी उतना ही प्यार करो जितना पेड़ों के नीचे और पेड़ों के पीछे किया करते हो विच इन इंग्लिश मीन्स लव ट्री एज मच एज यू मेक लव अंडर ट्री एंड एज मच एज यू मेक लव बी हाइंड ट्री एंड हिरेन हेज रिस्पॉन्ड टू दैट पिक्चर सेंग सेफ ट्रीज weird right this is a married man mind you all by the time he's posting all this he is very much married weird that's an <laughs> un- this is perverted uh-huh um degrading It's creepy creepy yeah. um but totally something a murderer would not do <laughs> today you guys hirain is back from the us and like i said he's married he's married to the woman he dated right after snehal's death a woman named Isha Chakravarti today they both settled in mumbai the city where the tragedy took place and he's working as a career counselor dealing with young people who are exactly the age he was when he was accused of his girlfriend's murder i feel most strongly about him what if he did do it his wife the child he'll eventually have the young people he works with in his job are all meeting a cold-blooded murderer but what if he didn't do it then he was just a child a young boy whose life stays tainted by someone else's crime someone else who's still out there roaming freely among all of us <laughs> 